tidy. Tidy, tidy. Hello. Hello, everyone. So. This is the Sportulation Podcast. It is a lovely, lovely afternoon on the 7th of November. It's really nice out. It's like 19 or 20 degrees today. It's like really, really, it's going to be nice this whole week, which is awesome. Weird, but awesome. Anyways, we're not here to talk about the weather, though. I am Yusuf. My name is. Yeah, I'm Anthony. Oh, there we go. We, oh, we messed it up. We messed it up. It's, we took a week off, and we're already Beautiful. fucking it up. Uh-oh. No, no, we're not. I'm not pressing that button. And uh, we're, doing, uh, we're doing part two of our little series where we interrogate each other about something we like that isn't hockey, baseball, basketball, or football. And on today's episode, Pars is stepping up to the plate to talk about the F1. The F1. And First of all, that's such a nice beard you got. I mean, you know, I've been it's like, amazing for no November. Yeah, it's like most yeah. people get a playoff beard. This is like a right. off season. This is no November though, I guess. Yeah, it is. It is November, but like I've been with the quarantine and everything. You know, I'm just like, yeah. I mean, if you guys are just yeah. listening to this podcast, you just have to trust us that it looks. It's full. It's a full beard. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting there. It's, it's getting rocking a full beard. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, yes, so, parse. Uh, parse. Uh, for those yeah. of the uh, uninitiated, what is yeah. F1? I'm glad you asked. I'm not going to do that whole big explanation, but we're going to go hours and hours and hours. But I will t- bring you guys on a little history lesson back to World War II. Yes. So before okay. World War II, four years before that, back, people were, you know, we obviously had the, the introduction of the car. And, uh, you know, we had the 1930s where it was after the boom. And everything like that and uh you know they were kind of just vehicles you could take fit about four or five people in only the super rich would have had them by that time because it was such an exclusive product and the war started and the tanks were developed and at that time people were just were trying to figure out how much power could you get out of something to make it go quicker on the battlefield well those engines that were developed were later on thought of to put into cars and that's when we got into the whole supercharged era. I want to bring you guys to the 1950s, where Formula One wasn't called Formula One back then. It was called Formula A. And it was driven around by rich aristocrats who had the money and said, I want to, I want to build a car that's fast and years and race it around the track. And the first ever Grand Prix we ever had was the French Grand Prix. Yeah, the French, you know, they just race everything. They're crazy. They're not racing. They're with your women. Yeah. And so, or eating baguettes and wine. Oh. Baguettes and wine. Oh, yes. Oh. Guys. So, in this time, there was this one famous racer who was actually not French. This is bizarre to talk to you about, but he wasn't French. His name was Juan Manuel Fangio. And this dude could drive. I mean, he was one of the fastest drivers out there at the time. Unique talent. And he was driving for the likes of. Uh, a lot of the a lot of guys really just just really wanted him at that time. He was he was uh, the the guy who really got things off the boat for a lot of the the drivers that were in uh, like Mercedes Benz. He drove in for those guys. He driven with Alfa Romeo and got them famous. Maserati, Ferrari, you know those brand names that became rich not because of the fact that they were uh, rich car brands, but because they were the winning icon. And at the time. Formula One was important because it brought your brand to the spotlight. 
if you had a fast car, more people were aligned to, to drive for you and want to actually buy your cars. And that's where that's what happened. He dominated the first decade of Formula One racing, which changed their name not so long ago from Formula A and Formula B to Formula One. The Argentinian was one of the fastest drivers to ever do it. And that's why he is a pinnacle of success when you talk about Formula One. Now, this dude is the, 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 just one name of many people I'm going to mention along this way, but I wanted to, I wanted to highlight him because he's he is in a lot of ways is kind of the father of this entire movement of Formula One. You know, he's just the the the, the pinnacle of success. I want to bring forth to you guys another uh, as we go forward in the timeline now. Uh, it's like 1970s. And before they were using supercharged engines and whoever can make the biggest one had a, had a lot of promise. Aston Martin had a couple one. That's why you see Aston Martin DB9s have that kind of still to this day traditional supercharged engines. Um, you have, you know, the likes of Ferrari and Bentley who were buying all buying everything they could from Alfa Romeo because Alfa Romeo was the team at the time to beat. But when we got to the 1970s, there was this little, this, 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 this organization called Renault. And I'm not sure if you guys ever heard about Renault, but I'm, I'm going to take this time to kind of show you who they are, what they mean, things like that. Uh, you know, just just out of the blue, just kind of, you know, show you guys that number one thing here. Share a screen here real quick. Yeah, that thing. You guys see that thing? That thing that looks really, really weird, really yellow. It's a French, it's a French team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It looks like yeah. a standard hatchback. Yeah. It looks like a Ford. So... Fiesta, like, Ford, yeah, it looks like a Ford Fiesta. Weird. But it, this company's name is Renault. In the 1970s time, they actually figured out that if they put turbocharged engines into the car that was transferred from a front-wheel drive to a rear-wheel drive, that they would be able to produce the same amount of power as V8s and V12s. And turns out they were damn right. The cars they were producing at Renault were able to go 707 horsepower. At the time, that was incredible. And they were winning a lot of races. Renault instantly became known as an engine supplier and was supplying a lot of the big teams who wanted to copy what they're doing. And Formula One made the transition from supercharged engines to, formula, to turbocharged engines. At the time, they were doing the three liters, but as we progressed into the 80s, with the death of one of the arguably one of the best drivers of all time, Arts and Senna, the Brazilian, we decided the Formula One decided to make it things safer by installing the halo and making the engines 1.5 liters in order to use. Now, as we fast forward towards our day, these days are using a 1.6 liter turbocharged hybrid engine, and it has to be a V6. No longer do we go up with the scales of the V8, V12s. Part of it is weight, is weight distribution. Another part of it is just that it wants to be a level playing field for everybody. So if everybody uses a V6, that makes it more, more level playing field. But um, as we turn into the 2010s, there has been one team that's been dominating this uh, without any hiccups, and that is the team Mercedes-Benz AMG Patronus. Mercedes-AMG Patronus. So these guys have been dominating for the last six years. From 2014 on, they have yet to lose a constructed title, and they have broken the record for the most amount of uh, constructed titles of seven. Uh, this team here has done a tremendous amount of way, but we, can, we have to follow suit with the likes of Ferrari, who's won six straight with their driver, which was Mick, sorry, Michael Schumacher. And if you know anything about racing, Schumacher sounds to be time, tends to be very familiar, and that's because everybody, including your dad, love watching this guy race and win. Uh, yeah, probably not, probably one of the most familiar name in racing, exactly. as far as like that kind of circuit uh, circuit racing goes. Like him, 
uh, Danica, like, obviously, like, even synonymous with, like, NASCAR drivers, like, Danica Patrick and uh, the Earnhardts. So, yeah. Ricky Bobby. Ricky Ricky Bobby, too. Yeah. yeah. Ricky Bobby, you know. A great Ricky but, Bobby. Uh, Carry on. <laughs> this is uh, where Formula One kind of makes its edges. So far, um, the racing has still been on the circuit. They made it a world championship, although it's not really a world championship because Africa's not in the mix. Hmm. I feel slightly... I feel slightly sad about that. Why is Africa not in there? That, that, that's kind of rude. Anyways, uh, they travel around the world across 22 countries and have 22 different races in a lot of spots. And it wasn't always like that. Typically, it started off with six, and they've expanded that way, and they make a lot of money. But we have to be honest, the sport is racist. And they have one black guy in there. They've only had three black guys racing the entire uh, history of F1. And uh, it's predominantly a rich sport. You have to be rich. And I'm not talking, uh, you know, maybe a couple million dollars. I'm talking like... 60 just in the savings which you can spend for fun yeah the um from what i from what i've heard about like the racing circuit at least with, well, like with f1 like yeah i know like with nascar i guess it's a different story but with f1 you're, you're talking like you know there's a reason they host f1 races in like really rich countries yep right it attracts so. the bread biggest and the brightest yeah it attracts um people who have a ton of money to throw around the drivers who are in there bring their sponsorships but you don't really get to this level without spending a lot of money just to get to this level as well and i'll I'll also explain how you can get to this level if you guys are interested um in one day becoming a formula one driver and if you also want to become an engineer one day which is a little more uh a little more uh, of a easier chance there is i can explain to you how that road kind of works uh but yeah like formula one is definitely one of those that is very very prestigious and is a prestigious sport. But it's nothing without its dangers. It's nothing without its fun and its thrills. So far, we have a black man who has not only surpassed the great Michael Schumacher in terms of race wins, but has also tied him for the most ever constructed title wins at seven. So is the sport going to be less races now? Huh. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Thank but you. It's a little bit of an overview into Formula One. Yeah, thank you for that. Was a really good. That was uh, good. Yeah, that was well, a good like, synopsis. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you guys listened to our previous episode on uh, use of explaining wrestling, I it just I just sort of asked him Vince McMahon, and then I just, just started going off. going off. Yeah. Um. So parts excellent job with the. Yes, the thank you for actually being um, organized. Yeah. So I guess. Uh, oh, cool! You're showing us nice. some some, yeah, some, some little, little cars there. Little yeah. cars there. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess from my perspective, as uh, as a non uh, F1 fan, someone just you you the the most exposure I've had it to it is like maybe catching it on uh, you know the news or like when I'm flipping through channels or something like that. And then now the most exposure that I've had to it's the whole lore of and history of of F1 is is through you. So um, yeah, like what what is it that appeals to you? of a formula one racing that like i should that maybe you think might appeal to to me like um because like you said it's a very um very expensive sport uh it's something that uh can be considered like an elitist sport too um so what is it that could appeal to me like a you know an every man every every person yeah, I think uh, the best thing to tell you is that if you're looking for something to watch as outside the sports retro, uh, this is an this is an idea, an opportunity you can get into. But I think the most important thing to say about that, in order, and I think what really gravitates people is that if you have an interest in cars, 
if you have an interest in cars, if you drive a car and 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 you you feel like, or if you love racing games, or if you just love racing in general, you will gravitate to this sport, and it won't be easy. It'll be a little weird to you because, again, um, most of us think of racing as just you know straight down a, a straight line, or maybe you're just in a little tight Mario Mario Kart where there's a bunch of jumps and flips that you can do. But uh, <laughs> um, this is more or less um, on a strict track. Uh, to be fair with you, it spans anywhere from 3.1 to 4.2 kilometers in terms of, of ter in terms of racetrack available, and there's multiple laps, and um, they they are supposed to be able to race for approximately near around two hours. So um, the good thing that everyday person can get into is this. Like, this is what I kind of is used as a selling point. If you find yourself bored on a Sunday morning or even a Sunday afternoon you can find yourself watching this sport. This is a sport that takes place on the weekends. So if you're working a nine to five, if you're working a, um, a 5 a.m. to uh, you know 2, 2 p.m., you're working at a 3 a.m. to 11 p.m., this could be the type of thing you get into because again, it's not taking too much of your day. It may require you to wake up early if you're in the Eastern, Eastern hemisphere, but if you're living somewhere in Brazil, if you're living somewhere in the Europe, Europe it's, it's more of us around your time range in the evening, so you can enjoy it. And um, it's, it's, really, it's really a fun sport. This sport, uh, it has kind of the same things as you would want in any sport. It has the crashes, it has the unbelievable wins, it has a time lapse, but it's done in a very, I would say, posh manner. There's no NASCAR just get up and go and you're around an oval all day. This is more or less. There's turns. There's twists. There's amazing moves. There's 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 um there's a thing called traction and just being able to to do to like be able to hold a line. And there's only one move under braking, unlike in NASCAR where you're trying to get 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 past somebody through pit stops. And there's probably the the most important thing is the DRS, the drag reduction system, where if you are within a second of a car, you can open that up and pass them which makes for more dynamic racing. Okay. A lot of physics involved, eh? Uh, I am not a physicist person. Don't ask me any questions. I have no idea. <laughs> yes, Parse is I the terminal velocity. Yeah, the average car, get long. <laughs> Parse is not a physicist. Um, what I did want to ask, though, in regards to like how F1 racing is done, because I've never... I've never been to an event, but I've been to countries that have hosted them, like Singapore yes. and, and Dubai and whatnot. And uh, the one... I've never really looked into how the races work for f1 so is it all based on lap time no um i'll start from the top so the very very top in order for you to host a f1 race you have to have a track certified track has been built and to the grade of a formula one circuit type you can't so just build there's so there's like a like a global standard so to speak there's a global standard you have to okay. you have to meet gotcha uh one of the best tracks i can give you is the chinese shanghai track um, that track there was built as a 3.4 kilometer long circuit and it has the state of the arts, everything you have to ask for to meet uh, Formula One regulations. On okay. top of that, there's another thing you have, you have to get a, a investor for the building and for the infrastructure and you also have to get somebody who's willing to host the events. There's two right. different people you're going to need okay. uh, approval from. So the investor, the person who invested in the facility, who's overseeing it, probably owns a stake in the land and things like that. They're going to need a host, somebody who's hosting the event, somebody who's taking all the risks for, <clears throat> for patrons, for the economics involved, uh, the drivers and the insurance and that. Um, next is, is the 
you have to kind of reference the, the, the position because not every race or not every country is accessible to the F1 calendar, right? So you have to make sure it's within that bounds. We can't just have a race in Antarctica or we can't have a race in, in, in Argentina or even Chile because it's kind of far from where all the races are kind of taking place. Most of them are in Europe. Mm-hmm. Are there any pages. in South America? We have one in South America, only one. That one's in Brazil. So in, think about mm, that. South America is a big, big, big continent, but yet we only have one race there. We only have one race in Australia. And we have two races in North America. One of them is in Canada, another one's in uh, Texas and Austin. Uh, the one in Canada is actually in Montreal. Lucky them. The yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so as you're carrying on, uh, my question here is when it comes to like, because I know it's a huge thing in Europe. Yeah. Right. So you're, you're mentioning there's one in South America, two in North America, one in Australia. When it comes to European tracks, because you said they have to be 4.2 kilometers. Uh, anywhere between 3.0 to 4.2. Mm-hmm. Okay, so between 3 and 4.2 kilometers. And so in Europe, right? Like, would the how many tracks are there in Europe? Oh. A ton? Yeah. Okay. I know. That, Probably like, yeah, like the 14 small, or 13 yeah. of the races are in Europe, maybe. Okay, gotcha. One's in Dubai and one's in Australia. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. There's two. There's two Isn't there that. one in... In Africa, one in Singapore. One in Africa. One, I know about the one in Singapore. There's uh, the one in one, Senegal. It's not one. Is there one there's in Senegal? In, there's none in Senegal. I think the country you're thinking of is um, there's one. There was a facility that was built in South Africa, and there was another okay. facility that was built in. Oh, if I can remember the name. I I want to say. Ah. Uh, Wakanda. It's, okay. it's in. Yeah. <laughs> but um. <laughs> To answer back your question in terms of how you get it, like what's the standards for how does how does F1 racing work? Yeah. Once you get all those kind of things done, okay. drivers, you know they're gonna fly in and come over, and you have all the teams, and they're gonna rent their paddocks. Uh, typically, race days they used to start on Fridays, so you would have a Friday practice session. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd have three practice sessions in total. It'd be two on the Friday, um, one on the Saturday, and then we'll start qualifying on the Saturday. The position okay. you, the, this is when lap times are important. So qualifications, uh, you want to typically have the fastest time. Fast time equals uh, your start range. So between the 20 drivers. And then um, whatever your time is, is where you'll start and separated by even the smallest of milliseconds. And then uh, you'll be on the grid. And then Sunday is your race, is your race day start. Typically in North America, I, I wake up around 8.30 a.m., 8 a.m. to catch the race at 9. It's usually around 9 a.m. or 9:30, unless um, they're the, because with um, with uh, what's that thing called daylight savings time? Sometimes you get caught up in that and the race. Oh right, yes, that at thing. 8 a.m. Yeah. So you gotta be prepared in that, but typically it's around that time. Okay. okay. Um, I don't know, Yusuf. Did you have a question? Oh, I have a couple, but uh, ask your next up, so you can ask. Okay. Well, I was just gonna ask, like, uh, how does, uh, how would you recommend someone like start to get? into it like you know would you just say like oh just pick a pick a driver pick a team and then just start no. uh i think the cheering greatest from thing, there and following it from there or? i think the greatest thing about f1 is that i would recommend people not to pick teams i think you should just watch it for the thrill of seeing some of the fastest cars in the world drive around in such a tight manner like these circuits they have so many blind corners or up and down elevation changes and if you make a mistake, you could find yourself in the gravel or in the wall sometimes. 
And uh, these cars are, are capable of going 200, 210 miles per hour. But not in the sense where you're like, oh, well, Lamborghini does that. Why should I watch this? These cars are doing that like in seven, eight seconds, dude. Like and five so I guess seconds. You would, and they're stopping on a dime. So I guess you would say that like to watch it more for like uh, the anticipation or like the, the thrill of kind of like how people watch like horror movies, like to see like, oh, the anticipation of like, yeah. is something going to happen? Is Yeah, I mean, a, I think there that's, be a, that's, yeah, the, so... that's the way I got into NASCAR, actually. I used to, so when I was watching it, I've, I'm not really into NASCAR pretty much big, but when I was first starting out with racing, I remember waking up sometimes and seeing it on and just watching just for the anticipation of a big crash. Because you'd always see it on the uh, on the sports center or like recap, there'd be this big crash that happened, but you're like, I never got to see that live. And then you start to like kind of watch it for that. And then you start to really get into the driver's lives and just the whole capabilities of F1 and, and what it all means. What, what are they testing? Because a lot of the stuff that they do in F1 are actually tested to be used in the cars that we drive every day. Okay. Um, well, I was, I was about to ask something following up on all that, and I can't, I legitimately just forgot about what it was. Oh, right. Okay. So, uh, in regards to getting into it, so your whole thing is about like, about like getting into it, don't follow teams, but watch it for the spectacle, mm-hmm. more or less, right? Okay. Uh, with that being said, my, my question here is, I believe we discussed this. We we had talked about this like a while ago, not on the show, but like just uh, during a hang or something. Yeah. But uh, how do they get the cars out there? So those, uh, well, how to get it out? They have a whole paddock situation where they have these like these planes that deliver them and these buses, mm-hmm. and they're, they're assembled and deassembled uh, depending on the uh, venues. If it's close enough, they take a bus. They just travel it over. If it's far, they may disassemble it, okay. place it in a plane, have the plane fly over. And then reassemble it before the drivers get into it, and then they're gonna try and test. I know that changes things um, somewhat, but these drivers are very adaptable. Um, right. I think another part about you driving. I'm sorry. Another part about um, getting into this sport is that, and and watching it is that um, if you do decide to pick teams, it becomes really competitive and really fun because there's not only a drivers championship, but there's a team championship, and there's this 10 million or 15 million dollars at stake to be added on as extra towards your development of these cars. And these cars and these engines, uh, they're very they're, they're very powerful, right? And you get to hear the sounds and and it's 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 a lot. Uh, for example, I support the Ferrari team. I've always loved Ferrari. I've always loved what it meant to be. I've always I think everybody at one point aspires to maybe even obtaining one one day because it's such a special enrichment, right? You think about Enzo Ferrari, how he was into Formula One and then he got his cars into Le Mans which is totally different from Formula 1. I think I should probably touch on that. Le Mans is more like um, the GT racing and, and Gran Turismo type style. Uh, not so much as the Formula 1. And, and there's a difference between Formula 1 and Indy, and Indy cars. But for the sake of the video, uh, you know, Ferrari's in a lot of different racing environments, supplying a lot of different parts, whether it be suspension, engine, uh, aerodynamics, things like that, and brakes. But um, I just love to watch them in Formula 1 because this is, this is uh, really, really the heart of Italians is the the pride they have in winning Formula One races. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just have a quick follow up question to that. So you mentioned that sometimes if they have to go long distances, they'll disassemble the cars. Mm-hmm. Right. So in regards to that, who handles disassembling? Do like I'm guessing each team has their own set of mechanics that'll handle each all that. Each team has their own set of mechanics, their own set of teams, uh, and the the, the the disassemblies are actually quite cool. 
Okay. Uh, there's about like a thousand to twelve hundred different wirings just in the steering wheel alone. Just to just to take that into account, and then right. a whole bunch of body workers into the car to to design the livery and bring it out. So mm -hmm. when they're taking it apart, they may they'll they'll obviously take the tires and all that kind of stuff out. But sometimes um, there's little clip-ons like the nose of the car is taken and separated from the actual base of it. Okay. Uh, the DRS could be taken and disassembled as well. Mm -hmm. uh, tires and the, and the brakes can be taken off and then all you have is this really this big this, this really long thing but it's very light and if you have you have people who are going to carry it put it into a specific setting right box it up, okay. whatever the case may be and take yeah. it on their way um these cars are very very fragile so uh when they are wrecked or whatever it does cost a lot of money i think each formula one car on average is about 4.4 million just just in itself and some of them, some of the teams have like backup cars too. Yeah, like, they have multiple, yeah. right? Yeah. So like to yeah, so you say when you said like sixty million, a cool sixty million dollars to have one team, you weren't yeah, joking. That's like, like yeah, yeah, because I, I just like you know guys like Lewis Hamilton wouldn't have just one car that he uses for every race. Well, that's the thing. The the Mercedes cars that he's using, right? Those are from the factory. Those are from the team. Uh, his personal oh, cars, he okay. has his own personal garage and all that kind of stuff, but each team has their right. own, and each team has two drivers. Uh, right. right. There yep. used to be a lot more teams. We used to have about 26 teams before, and now we only have 20. Sorry, okay. we only have 10, but, um, and then 26 drivers. So I meant to say 13 teams. But um, all in all, like, the, the driver won't take care of those things. This is kind of when it gets to the engineer role, the communications. Right, office. that's when it's more of the driver just handles the driving. Yes. And sort of everything stands as the with... face of the team, exactly. whereas well, everything behind the scenes. Would you, would you say the face of the team? Or? I would say this. I would say the drivers are your typical athletes like LeBron James, like Tyler, like, like uh, McDavid, like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Harris or even uh, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah. Right. And your, your, your representatives is not only the name and the branding, but you can also look at the, uh, the coaches of the team or the owners. Mm -hmm. even as the face of what it represents because they have to answer to a lot of the regulations that the FIA has. And Formula One does have a own regulation government. A lot of the sports teams do, but this is called right. the FIA, the uh, Formula Integration um, Team. And these guys are, well, they, they govern everything and they are, they're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> So just like FIFA and like every other, just like FIFA. every every shady. commissioning board. I don't think I don't know if they're well, shady. Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe not as shady as FIFA. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's you know the the stereotype with uh, any any sports that are like heavily European dominated and heavily European based. There's some kind of corruption scandal involved, but uh, as far as I know, I haven't heard anything with F1. So um, yeah, Federation International Locomobile. Oh okay. Okay, gotcha. Sorry for messing up butchering the name before. Just wanted to. So a good thing we fact check on this show. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Well, make sure you guys who are listening also fact check on the show. Yes. Um, yeah, don't but, go to Wikipedia for your information. I'm talking to you from an actual watching standpoint, many different books and, and videos that I've watched to understand just what is going on with these cars. And I'm also like involved in some league racing. So this is kind of a, another take to take on you gamers. Some of you gamers out there who want to have that experience. Gamers guys, rise up. These games and kind of get a little more understanding as to what these Formula One cars can do and cannot do, and uh, what, what takes what it takes to actually be, be a driver. Yeah. And the different yeah. temperatures that are needed, the, uh, the different timings, which tires work well, uh, the the 
the the pace that you need in order to to stay in that position, when to when to go into the pits, when not to go to the pits, how many pit stops you really need to win a race these days, all those kind of things. So I think, awesome. yeah, I think this kind of sport, uh, more than anything, really, uh, really attracts a lot of like physics and engineering nerds. Um, you know, like of course. Uh, you can have like a lot of physics in other sports like baseball or tennis, you know, just depending on your angle of, of your swing or the angle of, or just, you know, uh, various factors. But I think like for, if you're like really like, you know, STEM oriented, you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, like you're that kind of person, then like, I think Formula One definitely seems to be like the sport for you. Like it seems to be like a very nerdy nerd out sport. It's like that and like robot boxing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, it seems, uh, it, it, I feel like this is, this can be the sport for nerds, you know, for like, mm -hmm. for those science people. And that sounds like pretty cool. Um, despite the fact that it's rather like, uh, super difficult to get a team together and kind of almost elitist. Um, and almost like niche. Yeah. Kind of niche too. Very niche. Right. But, so. but, uh, Pars, you mentioned like, uh, you, you're in a, in a league, um, yeah, you're on, like, you're, uh, you so... mentioned gaming, so. Yeah, yeah go in ahead. the Formula One world, there is an esports competition for a lot of these, a lot of these games around the world, and there are some very, very talented drivers out there uh, who have who have bought their own wheels and are racing for a specific team with the, with the backing of the team, getting paid to drive with them, competing for seven hundred fifty thousand dollar prize pools like this year, the likes of Yarno Ockmir, wow. Rasmussen, uh, you know. Uh, Longe, these guys uh, are esports racers, but they actually represent these teams at the video game level, uh, where the video game is very technical. As not in as deep as I would say the the actual car. Of course, that's probably way more deeper in a real life setting. But the video game is pretty challenging, and I would show you guys uh, um, if I had the game on or whatever, just to tell you how. how and if this wasn't it is. an audio based podcast, yeah, that podcast. too. <laughs> When I do my league on, on Sundays and I, I compete, right, representing um, who I represent and the leagues I'm in, you know, I do have to check tire temperatures. I do have to uh, wow, really? strategize like you have to... when I'm going to come to the pits and when I'm not to and, and trying to let these tires last as long as possible. And what really? Okay, so it's like it's in. like all, the, all that but virtual. So it's kind of like yeah. Sims or like even – wow. That's, there's like that's a tech that you can get an engineer to help you with it or you can kind of talk to the game itself. the game is very good at, at telling you um about what's going on in and around the circuit while you're racing they'll be like oh this guy just came into the pits or you know you're five seconds behind mm -hmm. uh, this person and they're also leaving you so you have to pick up the pace oh, that's crazy because like strategy. you know you look at like fifa and 2k and nhl like they you know the, the players the, the virtual players don't get injured, but then, like, no. in Formula One, you have to, like, check your tires. You have to, like, mm -hmm. do all these... And I think that's that, that's kind of new. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. No. There's even difficulty with traction. It's not like Need for Speed where everything just kind of just goes. Goes, yeah. Um, it's very, very easy to lose because the tires they give you are called slicks, and these slicks have a very finite amount of grip that they can give on the circuits. So you have to be willing to drive on the limit and also know the limits of the car. Um, if you're going to want to be successful. Otherwise, you can find yourself spinning out or into a barrier. And you can also lock up your brakes, which is typically, if you're driving a regular car, the best way I can tell you about how or if you've locked your brakes is if you're driving somewhere 
and you are suddenly impacted by something that you weren't, you know, anticipating, and you have to slam on the brakes, and the minute you start hearing the, 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 the tire skid, like the, that is the equivalent of locking your brakes, but in an, a Formula One car, locking your brakes could potentially have you slide out, flip, unbalance the car, because it's, so it's a lot smaller, there's not that whole cushion of, you know, the body work, right? It's like, it looks like an indie car, but it's a lot more in depth. Yeah. So just to give you guys right. an idea. I heard that okay. um, those things are dangerous. I also heard that they recently yes. implemented this like shield or guard yeah. around. So that's like... called a halo. Um, it's like a T, it looks like. Uh, what happens is that there's a little circular bowl shape. I don't know if you guys ever looked downwards at like the, the, the dome in New Orleans that hosts the Saints. Yes. Think about I know exactly that. what you're talking about. So it's a dome. Type okay. thing, it looks like a circle. I'll do it like this. And then there's like a line in between your eyes and the and the, the, the base. So you're saying it's a caged fishbowl. Yeah, but it's not it's not like what a whole bunch of cages. It's like just but it's there, yeah, it's, it's there a singular yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And that was okay. implemented after uh, a number of drivers died from tires flying into their faces. Uh, that that's so Yeesh. this is a truly like thrill seeker yeah. sport too. Almost. If you are into jumping off of airplanes and going really, really living hard, dangerously, this is you know? kind of a sport for you. I mean, I I love it. I love watching it sometimes. I may not know every little little detail about these cars and stuff, but I do follow these drivers around. I do follow the teams. I do understand the dynamics of what they're trying to do in the wind tunnel when they're trying to find the least drag to get out of a car so that it goes as fast as possible can. I just love hearing those informations and there's a lot of entertainment with the drivers as well. This is not just a whole history lesson where you get to learn about cars, it becomes physics and boring. There's mm. a lot of emotion that's involved in it. There are drivers right now who have, who are in risk of losing their jobs because they're not winning. And there mm. are drivers out there who just can't stop winning and actually want to quit because it's gotten boring. And there are drivers out there who can't, who they're really, really good drivers, but they bring no money to the team. So they're right. like, out, right? There's just a lot of drama involved in it. Uh, drivers who hate other drivers or jealous of them. Okay, yeah, great. So then if you're looking to get into the drama portion of the sport, this there sport has go. it too. Yeah, just like, has it too. NBA's just like got Sha Shaq no in the Shaq Yeah, NBA's got Shaq <laughs> getting beef with everybody. There's a bunch of Shaq in the full, ep uh, full episodes that happened in, in Formula One, like, uh, you know, forgetting... Forgetting a tire on, on no, the whole oh, oh, tire. <laughs> there, there has been a couple things. Wow. Oh no. Wow. Okay. Um. Okay. So, I have two questions. One's a small one. One's a really big one. But I think I'll save that one for last. But uh, the small question being, uh, you talk about there being like beef and everything between drivers and whatnot, and drivers yeah. like getting tired of winning too much and yada yada yada. Uh. I guess it's like two small questions put into one. First, first question is how many drivers there are there on a team? Uh, there's usually two drivers with one reserve. One okay, driver, gotcha. So there's going to be like the main guy and the right. So the main guy and a backup. Yeah, there's a first. Uh, they're they're separated as first driver and second driver. First okay. driver gets a lot of special treatment, like times of tire calling the strategy. Right. Uh, first one, the one they care about, the one getting paid the most money, that type of, that type of mm -hmm. thing. But the second driver's job is not only to reinforce and help that first driver win championships, win, win races, but also to challenge them. And so, okay, and challenge them in what way? So just like keep so, them on their toes, right? Make sure that they're 
Yeah, doing well, well. it's not even just that. I think this is the best way to say it. When you're on a team, you usually want to make sure the team wins. But right. in Formula One, it's not always like that. You see, your driver, your teammate is a driver of yours. It's your teammate, you're going to want to support him and things like that. But you also want to beat him severely to show that you are not a slouch, to show that you deserve every cent that you're being paid. Deserve right. it in the, to prove to the team that you deserve that seat. So the teams like McLaren and the teams like Alfa Romeo and um, and Renault, they have drivers there who are who are saying to themselves, "Yeah, I have a teammate, and we'll support each other. I'll help them find out different things with the car." When we're on the racetrack, I want to win, and if that means right. leaving you behind, I will leave you behind. If that means squeezing you out of a turn so that you can't, you don't have the, the asphalt, mm -hmm. you're on the grass. Tough luck. This is Formula One. People stay here by winning, not by right. being nice. Okay. Not winning. Every single one of these 20 drivers. There's Remember, you have, you have two drivers and two of them are your teammates. Yeah. Each team. That makes 20 drivers in total for 10 teams. But mm. every single every single driver wants to win. And yeah, that you, makes sense. Yeah. You, you get more. So basically, it's like we're all buddy-buddy until we get on the track. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my, friend or not, I see. Okay. My teammate in the league racing, like, you know, I've been kicking, I've been kicking his ass and Right. I'm not, yeah. I'm not. I'm not at all gonna be like, yeah. Well, I hope I. Can. I mean, I give him advice. I mean, maybe you should use this setup. Maybe you should set your car up this way. But when we're on track, I'm trying to win. Um, okay. I I do have a question about like how is is it like are racers like is it just like all guys? It's just everyone is is a dude. Is, is it, it, is it heavily male dominated? Male dominated? Yeah. Like Love how that question? Like how male dominated is it? And like are they? We have are there any? Some... Yeah some women drivers unfortunately it's been very tough and that's that's just because of and then also know, like the the team too like the engineers and all of them yeah all yeah. male as well well the thing about the sport is that remember in this in those times we're talking about world war one we're talking about world war two we're talking about vietnam and then up to the 80s women you know had to fight for the right to vote had to fight to even get the equal pay these days um it's been very tough to to uh classify women getting into Formula One. But there have been some. Uh, Maria Teresa de Filippis, she drove for Renault, had five races in 1958 to 69. There's been a bunch of like Davina Galicia who didn't even qualify but had three race starts in 76 and 78 with Williams. Um, Giovanni Amati who raced with uh, Alfa Romeo for a bit. Um, there, there are female racers t these days uh, right now who are trying to get into F1 and F1 is not discriminating but Man, it's tough, not because of the way to, not because of drivers, because of the time, just the way the sport is. There's this this huge male notion that, you know, males can only drive Formula One. Males have the have the mentality to 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 take the pressure, but it's not like that. And I I really feel it's gonna change. Um, there is a woman driver on the on the circuits. Uh, she was on there for F2 last year, um, and doing really well. But you know, obviously, the whole hate has gotten to her, and she's taken a, a step back. But she she's been advocating, and I think Lewis Hamilton has also advocated for women drivers to be more into F one to get mm. a woman driver on the circuit because it, it would mean everything for the fans. And right. in terms of engineer yeah. engineers are women. Uh, Mercedes dominance has been has been um, dedicated predicated on women engineers and women in the factory who have given their expertise and helped that car develop to where it is today. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I, before Yusuf asks like his final question, I don't know. No. if My question is the same question, but probably not. Ask, like, what what is like what does the future of like Formula One look like? You said they went from like twenty six down to twenty drivers. Maybe it's like 
people are realizing that it's like a super high um high-end kind of high-end like almost almost like a club yeah and it's kind of tough to get into to start a team so what is what what does the future look like you know even after mentioning and talking about like uh gender uh, in the sport could you see like potential growth or like to be honest the future of the sport is quite unknown um they just announced a new racetrack in saudi arabia and we do understand that Saudi Arabia has its political challenges, uh-huh. like political races, and, and just talking about female drivers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. So, um, and race. So, um, you Saudi know, Arabia. but F1, I, I feel like the future is, you know, developing the most powerful but fuel efficient and environmentally friendly engine to be used. Um, it's still about, you know, giving people a thrill and something to watch on the television screen and to, and to look forward to every weekend, week out. Um, the, the future of Formula One is going to evolve. I think gender roles are going to be one of the first things to happen. And then after that, we may see an emergence of a new team. But a new team doesn't come out without, without, without its challenges. Like, there are, it's very tough for a person to get into F1 and develop a car that's where they've been driving and to even pay the top drivers to invest in your program and to be part of your team um we've had some americans get into it and they failed and this is another notion and that is that americans can't do formula one and um you know things like that are going to change over time but just right now uh i think f1 is just pretty set in just being what it is a prestigious place for mm-hmm. billionaires to play around with and yeah nice cars basically it's great. the best way to and, put it uh, good place for people to you know, take a Saturday or Sunday and go sit in the stands and watch cars go around a circuit and drink uh, beers. It's yeah. kind of like horse, kind of like horse racing, but faster. <laughs> it's, it's just faster horse racing. <laughs> Roided out horse racing. You just you get your all right. Race. So, um, uh, this is a big question, a, right? an odd question, not a, not a big, big question point. per se. I don't know how you're gonna how how you're gonna react to this one, but so you mentioned you mentioned Bentley, you mentioned Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, Renault, Mercedes. Uh, and of course, as far as as far as I'm aware, when it mm-hmm. comes to these uh, car manufacturers and companies that have gone into the F1 circuit, that are obviously like you know making production cars for regular people to drive. Yeah. Uh, one name, in like as far as I know in F1, this is really like besides Schumacher and like Lewis Hamilton, like in the history books of F1, the only other name I know is Bruce McLaren. Yeah. Of course. And uh, my question is. With what McLaren did in having, well, I mean, this was after he passed away, of having, you know, the cars that he would use on his track become production model cars for people to drive. Do you yeah. think we're going to see something like that with other companies? Like, do you think Mercedes would ever do something like that? Do you think? No. Okay. okay. Mainly because the the cars that are made in, uh, the cars that are made um, these days they have to they have to abide by certain regulations. And you're in Canada, and in Canada, you know, the driver's admission test has to be passed. Yeah, um, has can't, to be there has to be a, a bunch of safeguards. Yeah, right? the so suspension be can't be a certain height. Legal. Yeah. yeah, you can't have a certain ride height. Things like yeah. that. So a Formula yeah. One car being uh, being uh, well, I mean, not not, not particularly a Formula One car. More and the cars that are being developed. Um, yeah, like the Mercedes AMG GT GTR, mm-hmm. right? Or the uh, the Maserati uh, Ghibli, things yeah. like that. Um, you know, they're they're they have their own production capabilities. They're gonna take some things from Formula One, take the, some things from the best engineers in the world to make right. the best car. Well, but, um, right. That's why that's why I asked with McLaren because what McLaren did was that you know they took all the ideas that Bruce McLaren had 
for yeah. his F1 cars and reworked them so that they could be road legal and road safe for actual like average consumer. Well, I don't say well, average because those cars are stupid you. expensive, but yeah. yeah. That yeah, this I was actually going my next point was like these these manufacturers they're they're making their cars also like pretty expensive, right? right you don't yeah. see BMW in, a, in F1 anymore. BMW got kind no, of out. No. And they've they've dived into rally racing and things like that. And BMW yep. has their own market. And um, you know, when you talk about the 10 teams that are in the grid, uh, that being Mercedes, uh, Ferrari, Red Bull, uh, Renault, Williams, Alfa Romeo, Haas, and um, uh, Alfa Tauri, which formerly known as Toro Rosso, which is another Red Bull team. When you think about all these teams, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty niche group, right? Um, nothing really surpassing that. So we're not going to see uh, Honda or, 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 I don't know, Lexus get involved. Because mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. This has been very educational, Pars. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I was very, hoping very it'd be fun. Does everybody have the thrill? Does anybody want to sit down next Sunday and watch a very iconic racetrack? Uh, Maybe. The Turkish uh, Grand Prix. Oh, okay. He, um, you know, that Turkish track, it's a, I think it's a 3.4 kilometer circuit uh, with, a, with a very, very innovative quadruple apex left-hander. That means you're making a left turn four times in the same turn, but there's four different turns. Probably. I'm going to pretend I understood what exactly that meant. But final sounds, thoughts. Yeah. Um, about yeah. Uh, final thoughts. This was very educational. I've learned definitely a lot more about F1 than I barely knew to begin with. Uh, and also, thank you for the screen sharing and uh, your or your organizational <laughs> skills of all this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, history lesson at the beginning. Well, yeah. well prepared. Very well prepared. Yeah. Took five minutes to prepare. Yeah, of course okay. it did. Um, <laughs> yeah, parts from high school didn't change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was really cool to see like thinking more about the engineering and like how obviously it is kind of like a almost elitist sport being yeah. super expensive yeah, but uh thinking about like the engineering and logistics side of it um and like the physics beyond it be behind it uh i think that could very much appeal to people who are into that kind of thing people who are interested in uh, physics and technology and engineering um and if you guys want to see like there's a there's this video called um uh the logistics of Formula One transportation or something like that. Uh, it's uh, on Wendover Productions. That is that YouTube channel. But uh, yeah, it's, it sounds pretty cool. I think I'll check out a race or two. I'm gonna do that as well. We have one uh, not this Sunday, but the Sunday after, and then uh, we have another date sometime in the middle of November to the end of November, and another one okay. December seventeenth in Abu Dhabi. Oh, that's nice. Final in my opinion. Parts, final just, thoughts? Yeah, yeah parts of you have yeah, final, final thoughts. thoughts. Here's what I got to say as, for final thoughts. Um, I hope to God we get a track in, in Africa, because how can you call it a world championship without it being around the world? I mean, I know they NBA, call the World Series the World know, Series, and it's only I was about to say that. US and the uh, Blue Jays, so. Can we please have a track in Africa? Just to showcase how beautiful Africa as a nation, as a, as a, as a continent is. Yeah, I feel like you might see that in like some of the, uh, I mean, North North Africa, so like Egypt, you could see one. But uh, I think 
Uh, you could see one in something like the rising uh, African nations. Like you might see one in yeah. Let's Nigeria. See one in yeah, Nigeria you, would be. You could see one. Get one possibly. in Rwanda and then have the hotel yeah, yeah. Rwanda. Well, I was thinking. I was thinking like, <laughs> oh God, no, Pars. what? No. I should just cut the show South here. Africa. But um, okay. I was yeah. I was gonna say South Africa or like Part South Africa, Indian. Nigeria, Egypt. I feel like would be like the three ideal. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, you're right with the Indian yeah. crop. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. It, so you we know, we did have mm-hmm. one recently there. Um, I think it was uh, 2007. This is their last. That was 13 whole years ago. Yeah, they've stopped going. At that okay. point, it's not recent. All right, uh, that's all the final thoughts we have. Tune in next time whenever we do part three of this, when we interrogate Anton about either lacrosse and or curling. We'll figure yeah, that out, else. probably, uh, or something else. I'm <laughs> not even that in, I'm not as into the, those sports as like as Yusuf is with wrestling. So. Yeah, so yeah, I, set the, I set the bar a little too high. I think. Yeah, we'll see. Um, uh, but yeah, tune in uh, Tune in next time when we do that. Also, I'm trying to talk these guys into it. Once we're finished with the uh, the remaining interrogation, we will do a two-parter of this where we will watch a, a race, whatever Anton talks about, we'll watch something of that, and watch a wrestling match, and we just give our reactions and thoughts about it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have yeah, the camera. We'll try doing that. We'll have to camp out and, and do that. Sounds good. Uh, we'll but until then, react. yeah. But until then, this has been the Sportulation Podcast. Pars, thank you again for that history lesson. It was very informative, I must say. I'm Yusuf. I'm Anton. And I'm Pars. And we'll see you soon. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye.